In a world filled with questions, there's one role that often leaves us searching for the right words, parenting. Introducing What to Say When, a podcast that equips parents with tools to navigate the beautiful and challenging journey of raising children. Together, we'll explore a wide range of topics from handling tough conversations to nurturing resilience to helping you become a confident and compassionate parent. What to say when. Because the right words can make all the difference. All right, we're back and we're doing another episode um, for all of, really for ourselves, guys. This is the one that I need us to talk about today. Um, So it's What to Say When podcast. We're having conversations about the things that we need to say when our kids ask tough tough questions or start crazy conversations or when the world Mm -hmm. just throws something at us that we need to digest as moms and dads and primary caregivers of the next generation. And I'm Nick. (laughs) And I'm Chase. I'm Jen. And we are joined Great. today by our fantastic <laughs> friend and the counseling ministry director at Rolling Hills, Kathy Kuhn. Yay. Hello. And I want to thank you guys for indulging me last time with this curveball to say, this is too big of a conversation to do in one episode, yes. so we're going to make this a to-be-continued. It was actually just um, my sly way of getting Kathy to come back again. So thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thank it you. It's so good. If you haven't listened to the first one, go back and listen to the first one. It was oh, yeah. So stop good. this. So good. Go yeah. back to episode go back, six. And listen, then you can... Start this one. It there you so, go. It was really good. But I'm ready to continue the conversation. I'm excited. Before we jump into it, I'm going to ask y'all a question. Yeah, we got to do a question. You got used to my questions now. I'm asking them every time. And okay. We, yeah, let's what? do it. Go you ready? It. I'm ready. Okay. So here's my question. What does it look like at your house in the evenings, meaning specifically bedtime routine? So it could be for you, your kids, your family, just kind of like what does your home look like in the evenings for bedtime routine? I think we've all established, you know, the different dynamics in our home of the ages and stages of kids. Uh-huh. Um, and I will say this, and people told me this was going to happen, and I resisted it, and I still try to resist it. And Susan's like, no, this is a good thing. Um, we did not have, and this is not bragging at all, it's all Susan, not even me. We didn't have issues at bedtime when the kids were little. Like, we just didn't. Like, we said goodnight. We gave kisses, braid, hugs, well, read a book. for you. I know. And we put them in okay. bed. No, 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 no. <laughs> but the teenagers and... are lingerers. Like, and they yeah. want to talk. Yeah, yeah. And right after we've all brushed our teeth and we're basically getting in bed, that's when they want to come and have a long, in-depth yeah. conversation. Mm, yeah. And we got to regroup and be ready for it. So, yeah, people told us this would happen. And it is. I think it's a stall tactic. But it is really the depth of conversations. Yeah. They're happening at night. So Yeah. About y'all. Okay, I've, I I have a different perspective. Um, every night, my kids they don't bother us. Like, they don't they, live with you. They just, oh wait, oh wait, wait, wait a second. So our kids are grown. Um, so I would say our nighttime routine looks like as soon as I hit the house, unless we have somebody coming over, like I'm in my pajamas and we start the, the nighttime nice. routine. Scott and I eat dinner. 4.30. Scott 4:30. and I eat dinner. Yes, yes. <laughs> Scott and I eat dinner together and then we clean up the kitchen and then we make our way and we might watch a show or something like that. But I mean, it's not, it sounds glamorous. It kind of is glamorous, I guess. Oh, but we're all jealous. But it's just, yeah, it's a different season. And so I, but I do miss the, I do miss those sweet conversations that can happen at nighttime too. So I would say, yeah, we we um we have this routine of getting home, 
we eat dinner together, and then at 6.30, we immediately take them to the shower. So they our girls uh, take showers, and so we do the shower, and then we begin the process of, okay, now getting them to to the bed. And this is extended over time. It keeps getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> and uh, and so since we have a 2-year-old and a 7-year-old, their bedtime routines look wildly different right now. Not yeah, they're just there's different, right? And so um Courtney, we use we swap nights. So Courtney takes the little one one okay, night. I've heard of people doing this. It yeah, works? It well, <laughs> it, it Seems to work now, but but our two year old is mama crazy right now, yeah. Mm. And so she doesn't want it when, when yeah. you're doing bedtime. <laughs> she's like, switch, Who's switch out, tag out. Give me another guy. Um, it's okay. Give me we're about to talk about self worth. So I, I don't know. want you to feel bad. I know yeah. it hurts. Um, and so typically the bedtime routine is we read, read to them, and um, and then we usually do the what are three things you're thankful for, and then we pray, and then we try to get them to bed, which takes forever so and right now the little one wants somebody to sleep on the floor right beside her so we That's we <laughs> we so get a pillow we lay down beside her but did you see how different our reactions were know, yeah you're Jim like was like that's so cute and i'm like what a nightmare like, what is it? it is a nightmare actually <laughs> but uh and and kit just wants to be up and she just wants to hang out so we try to get everybody in bed by 7 30 and sleeping wow i know yeah, what about yours, Jennifer? It is so different. I yeah, we don't really have a routine. I think that's why it's different. <laughs> Our kids are in all different stages. So we've got three year old, eight year old, twelve year old, and the twelve and eight year old share a room. So eight year old wants to stay up until twelve year old gets there, but twelve year old has dance until late yes. and then gets home. And is in first year of middle school. So like last year, I mean last night, I was doing two and a half hours of math homework with said 12 year old how are you that, even here mm. oh gosh it was a lot that's a lot it was a it was a lot Our i feel like we could do, do a so whole another episode on yes, on homework I and agree. it was assignments. we've never had that like this is brand new to us in middle school having yeah. that level because she's in like an advanced math and so she just has a lot of homework and a big test today but little sis stayed up too late so we're trying to get little brother to bed but he doesn't want to leave the party it's mm. just crazy yeah mm-hmm. it's really crazy and well, and we do have moments that are sweet, but for the most part, it's kind of just if is everybody in PJs? Great, we did it, mm-hmm. we made it. <laughs> We're talking about the idea of self esteem, self worth. What do we do when our kids struggles with that? Um, and I think one of the roundabout things we may get there at some point as a bullseye is the idea of routine yeah. and mm-hmm. rhythms and some things that are really regular about our lives making an impact on this. So. Um, before we dive too deep into the things that we have for today, just as a reminder, what are what, how are we defining self worth? Who wants to take that? Yes. Yeah, so self self worth or self esteem can be defined as confidence in your worth or ability, a measure of how valuable or worthwhile you see yourself. So that's kind of the running definition we've gone with over the past couple episodes. Gotcha. And last one, we talked a little bit about how to recognize when your child is struggling. Like, what are some things that some cues that you can land on. And and we ended the whole conversation talking about paying attention to your kids, um, learning who they are, knowing what those cues are, because every kid is different, obviously, and we know that every stage of adolescent childhood development is different. And um, so as we defined it, one of the things that we talked about is just understanding how to pick up on the clues. Kathy, you want to give us kind of a recap of what are the things that we need to be looking for 
and paying attention to? Yeah, absolutely. We talked about um, kids who are isolating, avoiding social situations or spaces, things that they used to enjoy that they are no longer enjoying, maybe being hypersensitive to others, to rejection. We know that rejection is hard, but Mm -hmm. an over-concern about what other people are thinking Mm -hmm. or what other people might think or might say. Changes in behaviors uh, based on who they are around. So maybe you see your child be one person when they're around this group of people, and then they kind of morph into something else when they're around a different group of people. Um, Struggle building strong, healthy relationships, difficulty Mm. accepting praise or criticism, Mm. which I think we might talk about later. Maybe giving up easily because they have a fear of failure, a a, a fear that they won't be able to meet that perfectionism, that standard um, that they hold for ourselves, for themselves. Um, And then I think sometimes acting like they don't care. Oh, well, I don't care. You know, just that quick, like, well, I don't care about that. I don't care about that when Uh you're thinking, yeah, I think you do care, but you're kind of dismissing it in a way. And then that negative self-talk, the way that Mm -hmm. they talk about themselves and who they are. And that's so hard because these are people that you love more than life. Yes. And that you would lay down on a train track in front of. Like you want like these are you see the value and you see the worth mm-hmm. and you see love. And one of the things that we've gotten at home at from time to time is you have to say that you're my dad. And and that's one of the hard parts about it too. It's like, no, this is I say that because I'm your dad, but I see it in you mm-hmm. and I want you to see that in yourself. Philippa Perry. She's British, so I feel like I should say this with the British Please accent. do. Please, Please do. do. Yes. Definitely not going to do it. Come on. <laughs> In my best Downton Abbey, <laughs> my upstairs Downton Abbey voice. So um, behavior is purely communication. Oh, mercy. That's people, and especially children, act out in inappropriate, inconvenient ways because they haven't found alternative, more effective, more convenient ways of expressing mm-hmm. their feelings and their needs. She says that your job, she's a psychotherapist and has written a bunch of books and articles about the whole thing, your job is to decipher your child's behavior. And I feel like you talk about that a lot, Jim. I feel like you talk about the idea of like, we've got to study our kids. We've got to be an interpreter of our kids. We've got to know what they're saying even when they're not saying something, the nonverbals. So what is, what is, what is the way that, how do we do that? When we're seeing those things, how do we do it and not react to it and interpret it and understand it? and then make a decision based on it. Gosh, that's great. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, just as an example, a child may lash out in anger, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And But it may not be anger, it may be sadness, it may be grief, right. it may be not knowing how to do something or how to, and so it's, and I know we keep going back to this, but it's just so true. It's providing a safe place and it's asking them questions about, let's talk about what just happened. And, you know, even even for us, like I might, I get mad at this laptop all the time. Mm-hmm. It's really not the laptop that I'm mad at, right? It's other things that are going on inside of me or that have happened that day or, and so I'm taking it out on something. And so asking your kids, what, let's, let's sit down and... Let's talk about what's going on. Tell me about your day. Tell me about what some of the hard things were today. Tell me about tell me about what was it about you that why you said that or why you did that thing. And it's so easy as a parent that we want the kid to just not do the thing that we react then maybe we react to their anger and anger, right? <laughs> um, and the, it's not that we're accepting the way that they are acting out or the behavior. But it's that what's more important is that we're interested in getting to what's behind it. Right. 
Yeah, it's right. learning how to ask good questions. It is. And help them interpret their own mm -hmm. answers. I think that makes a big difference too. I think a lot of times we'll talk through the idea of people saying, I am this, mm -hmm. or I just got, like taking on a label mm -hmm. of saying, I am slow, I am stupid, I am fill in the blank yeah, of like yeah. whatever. And that's one, it's so hard to hear when your kid has that feeling about themselves. Um, but that fixed mindset of I am this way to switching that to a growth mindset of, okay, if there's something that I don't like or if there's something that I don't feel good about, what can I do that's different? But like, how can I be something that's a goal, that's in, something that I'm trying to obtain? Like, what does that look like? How do we figure out, you know, there's a hypersensitivity to the way we approach criticism or the way we approach things that are wrong with us. We started this season talking about the idea, like, what do we do when we mess up? What do we do mm -hmm. when our kids mess up? And that we all do. And, and so there's definitely a problem. People like, they don't know how to fail. They don't know how to make a mistake. They don't know how to recognize a limit. We're going to circle back and have a gospel conversation where we all sit back and realize we're sinners. We're in need of forgiveness. There's definitely something wrong with all of us. But how do we take that from a fixed mindset to understand the need for personal growth? Yeah. What does that look like in terms of esteem and the way that we're wired? I think I think it's what we point out in our children. I think it's what what do we praise about them? Mm -hmm. You know, if it's you are smart, you are, you know, an athlete, you are a good soccer player, you are good at theater, you're a good vocalist, you're a good drummer, mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? when they no longer are good at that thing or they mess up at that thing, mm. then now they don't know who they are anymore. Well, if I didn't make straight A's, then I'm no longer smart because my being smart was based on me making straight A's. And so it it's the way that we communicate. It's the way that we recognize or acknowledge who they are in the process. And it's it's more about the process than the result, yeah. right? It's more about the the learning and the growing. It's also what we model. I mean, there's so much about this is about what we model. And so when we model perseverance, when we model trying new things, when we model giving something, everything that we have, even if we fail, or what we learned from failing at something, we're modeling that for them that it's more important to do things with excellence as opposed to getting the excellent result. And we talked right. about that a little bit, yeah. the, the difference yeah. between effort and achievement mm -hmm. and, and what it looks like to be a person who's working towards something as opposed to somebody who achieves something or is labeled something. Right. There was a study by Carol, Dr. Carol Dweck. Is she um, British too? Probably 30 years ago. I don't Dweck. know. I didn't listen to her talk. <laughs> Dweck. Dweck. I don't even know how I'd say that, but... But it was really interesting because she had, so she had 400 fifth graders come together, 400 fifth graders come together, and she gave him, gave him this IQ test, a pretty simple test. And afterwards, she praised them in one of two ways. So she either praised them with, basically, you are smart, so praised them about their intelligence and said, you are really smart, you did a great job, and you're smart. The other group, she praised them based on their effort and said, you mm. worked really, really hard, mm -hmm. and you did a good job. So all the kids had this, this praise in two different groups. Then the two groups, she gave them a second test, and those two test options, they could either take an easier test or a harder test. The easier test, they would guarantee pretty much to do well. The harder test would be something that they said it would help them grow. So 92% of the kids who were praised for their effort 
chose the harder test mm. wow. oh. because they knew, oh, I can grow even more. Mm. And they and they praise them for that. And 67% of the kids praised for their intelligence chose the easier option. So the majority of those kids picked the easier one. So the whole point of the study, and they did a couple more rounds of this, the whole point was that when we praise kids on intelligence or their ability, the child is actually hearing, oh, you value me because I'm smart. Mm-hmm. And it's right, those I right. am phrases mm-hmm. you're talking about. You value it's- me because... I am good at X. I'm good at this. This is my skill set. And that's where they see their their value. And so they're scared of doing poorly on anything. And so they pick the that's easier good. option uh-huh. instead of the one that helps them grow. And then when children are praised on their effort, then they want the challenge because they are they've been encouraged to work harder, to try more yeah, things, to yeah. take take chances. And I just think that's, that's really good. interesting. And also kind of hard when you think about it. like you really have to think if your mm-hmm. kid wins a race, you say Great job, you're Great such job, a fast yeah. runner. But to think about, I'm so proud of all the months all of the hard months work you put yeah. into. Yes. You kind of have to remind yourself to go the extra mile to say that's so good to praise mm-hmm. the effort that's instead switching of just up the rhythm. You, you, right. You, you praise the process yeah. and putting you something else on the, repeat. I mean, you praise the end results, obviously, but no matter what, you're always praising the process of the hard work because if you always praise just what they've done, they're going to internalize that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. We used to tell our kids that we would rather you try and put effort in this is with school, work hard, do your best and make a C than to make a 98 because you just missed an assignment here. You didn't, you know, you just didn't try. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't. And so, but, but we have, we live in this culture where it's the, it's the A, it's the best. It's the, yeah. you know, it's that end result. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was our our night last night was the math Mm. homework for two hours. And so Keith and I are already thinking, like, if she doesn't get the A, it's okay because we saw how much work she has put into this. So you got an A for effort. Like, that really is what Mm -hmm. that comes out to. But actually celebrate that in your kid and not just say. How well are we modeling that for them? We're not. That's the problem. We're not. That's the thing. We're so we're so focused on the end result in everything that we in everything that we do and not the effort. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, we talk about this identity, and and if something fails in our work life, we, you know, I've seen people really take that on and and mm. be depressed about, hey, I've lost this job. I don't have this job anymore, and that that job was my identity. Yeah. Like I, I was like, I love that job. I was did good at that job, and now I don't have that job anymore. And so you really take that personally and uh I mean, this what a great lesson for us to to learn and lean mm-hmm. into so one article i read recently i think we talked about this a little bit the idea that praise was number one on the list of creating pockets of low self-esteem i was like wait a minute how does encouraging work it's inflated praise mm-hmm. it's the praise that you can't believe it's the you're the best at this uh, when realistically everybody knows there's somebody that's better at this than me and when praise is so inflated and it's so hyper-regular and convoluted, people start to believe, like, I can't believe that about myself. They're saying that because they're nice, not because it's true. Um, yeah. And then that creates a whole different dynamic of how you can even believe the encouragement that you're giving. When you're praising the effort, when you're encouraging the hard work that goes behind something, or even the the steps and growth that you see, that's something that can be measured. And I think that's a good mm-hmm. thing for people. I think I think as parents, it, it's easy to see how we would fall into that because we have this 
often have this mindset, like I want my kids to have, I want my kids to feel good about themselves. I want them to grow up recognizing the things that they do. And I just want them to have a positive self-esteem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, I think how we do it is twisted and we end up doing maybe more damage mm-hmm. than we do good for them long-term. Well, one of the things that we continue to kind of come back to is that this is not just conversations that our kids are starting or questions that we need to answer, what to say when this happens in our home, but also what to say when the world is wildly different than what Mm. we know is important. Mm -hmm. And so we know that the world values achievement. We know that the world values straight A's or being the best athlete or even prioritizing liking certain things like oh, if you're a football player, that's awesome as a young boy, but what if you like dance? Mm-hmm. Or, or what if you're really good at visual arts? Mm-hmm. Like those things, even in in gender, is not they're not praised as much. Like the boys who are great athletes, those are the ones that get the attention. Those are the ones that people aspire to be like. Mm-hmm. Or a young girl who's a great, um, I don't know, singer, dancer, something that's a little more artistic and maybe something that's typically attributed to something feminine is really praised and really exciting. But if you can throw a softball or shoot a goal. Like those are things that are just different. And we see that same thing with body image. Mm. It's like there is a certain type that Mm. just seems to get the attention, that just seems to be societally celebrated. What do we do with that? Knowing that body image is, as you mentioned, kind of a a factor in what we think about in terms of worth and self-esteem. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. This is a... This is a, a tough one. I I went, I just, I was thinking about the way that I modeled this well mm-hmm. and the way that I didn't model it well. Um, and then the people that spoke into my life earlier on that really had an impact on how I viewed my body and not not a great way. Um, but I remember our our daughter saying, she was little and she said, I don't know if I want to be a mommy one day. And I was like, why, why, why do you not want to be a mommy? And she said, because I don't want a mommy body. And in that moment, it just hit me like baby girl, having a mom, having a mommy body is Mm. such a beautiful gift. It's such a beautiful thing like that. God created us as moms, most of us, some of us as moms, right. Um, And there are changes that happen and there's such beautiful changes and the gift is you, like the gift is having you, you know, and so they recognize, they recognize early on and there's so much about the way that we talk about ourselves, the way that we step on the scale, the way that we look at photos after they're taken to make sure it's the right angle of us, the way we say to people even, hey, you look great have you lost weight? Like, you know, and so the things that we say, the things that we do, I read a meme the other day and it said, I'm going to mess it up, but it said that many of your daughters are going to be told you look just like your mom. And if the mom is constantly Uh, talking Uh, about the way that she looks in a poor and degrading way, you're also saying that right. about your daughter. Right. It's like, wow, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, th- I don't want to do that. Wow. I found a study. It was 10 years ago, but I think these probably these numbers are probably maybe a little higher today. Um, I don't know. But the study found that 53% of 13-year-old girls dislike their bodies. Um, mm-hmm. By age 17, mm-hmm. that number increases to 78%. The Dove Personal Care brand says this, 
the percentage of women who would describe themselves as beautiful is uh, just 4% globally. 4%. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, the creators of this document- documentary, Straight Curve, report that 90% of women and girls say that the media makes them feel worse about how they look and does not accurately represent their ty- body types. In her TED Talk, Why Thinking You're Ugly is Bad for You, Dove's Megan Ramsey said, that 60% of girls are making decisions, likely choosing whether or not to participate in class discussion, for example, based on whether they think they look good enough. Mm. You know, I, we, we've we been doing student ministry for a long time. I think oh, all yeah. of us have been a part of student ministry for a long time. And, and one of the things we always talk about in student ministry is our identity and their self-worth. And, and we try to help them paint a picture of their identity in Christ. Because every time they wake up in the morning... They're looking in the mirror and they're they're seeing somebody, and oftentimes they don't like the person they see, mm-hmm. right? Because of maybe the things they experience throughout the day, or what their friends, comparison of the friends, or what they see on social media, and so we have to reframe this um, for them. This is such a big conversation that we're having. And we continue mm-hmm. to read over and over and over again that the way, like what you were talking about, Kathy, the way that a parent, the way that we communicate what's valuable, the way mm-hmm. that we pay attention to those cues has a primary influence on the way that our kids perceive themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's definitely some stop and start behaviors that we need to engage, mm-hmm. some rhythms that we need to create, and even some boundaries that we need to set for ourselves with regard to that. Um, man, that's a hard that's a hard thing. And it's really not. I mean, I think we know we, we, we latch on really quickly and easily to associate that to be our girls, um, but boys mm. are experiencing the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's that's right. a muscular physique that's right. or a height or a weight. I mean, they're experiencing the same things and probably dealing with it in different ways. That's right. And so we need to pay attention on both sides of the spectrum to what that looks for. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also want to be a people who celebrate uniqueness um, and, and the diversity that goes along with that. And we may be, um, we may be doing that, contradicting the thousand voices and messages that they're experiencing in the world, um, but to not discount the power of just a parent who loves and pours into a kid and the words that you can speak drowning out Absolutely. some of the messages that the world is sending. And that's probably the power of the Holy Spirit working in that parent-child relationship and the dynamic that's been created and why that matters so much. And, and while the world does speak, it speaks so loud, it speaks so loudly to all of us, but if we're speaking that same thing at home, they don't know anything different. But if they see that what we're speaking at home is different than the world, they're going to recognize that Mm -hmm. there's something different. doesn't mean that the world is not impacting them, but they recognize that there is something different. Mm. Do you guys think that there's something that we need to pay attention to or that we need to talk about related to like a father's impact and input Mm. in those things, particularly Mm -hmm. with uniqueness, body image, things that you're good at, and a mother's voice? Like what what are the things that the dads need to listen to? And be aware yeah, of. I, and recently I read something that that said a father's impact on how we address their uh, our kids' beauty, and I think it's specifically we're talking to girls, but we can apply this to how you talk to your sons as well. But how we address their beauty will ultimately shape how they relate to men or women in their future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's so powerful, so impactful as as we as 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 a dad how I talk about their beauty is so important. And it says that your girls need to hear it, but more importantly, they need to know how much you value their character more than their appearance. 
I think that's so mm-hmm. valuable. Like uh, we, we instead of saying words, like we talk about this too, and maybe we can throw some of these out there instead of you saying you look beautiful. Maybe it's you are beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that we are just now getting into is just makeup and putting on the makeup, right? And so, and she, Kit loves putting on makeup. And sometimes our, our first response is to whenever they put on makeup, is it the makeup putting on for the first time? Oh, you look so pretty, you know, mm-hmm. right? Well, the makeup doesn't make you pretty. Mm-hmm. It may, it may highlight whatever it does. It That's not what makes you pretty. God designed you just the way Mm -hmm. God made you beautiful. And so the more we can lean on those kind of statements, instead of saying, you look beautiful, you are beautiful. You know, God made you um, uh, this way, Mm -hmm. those kind of things. Is there any other, those kind of examples that a parent can maybe, maybe they can process through? What are, what are those examples? Maybe they've said it before. Maybe we can reframe how they say certain things. Well, one of the things I love about the, or that's so important about the you look is you look makes me want to say, what did I do today to receive that mm-hmm. right. compliment? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what did I do to my hair? What did I do to my makeup? What about the outfit that I'm wearing? And then how do I keep this up? <laughs> right. Yeah. But mm. you are beautiful, like speaks to my soul, you know? Um, and so I think that's so important. And with the, even with the body, if you think about not, focusing on the way that the body looks as much as what the body does, yeah. right? Like God gave us this body and um, to be able to do this thing or to be able to do that thing, or, you know, God gives us energy when we, you know, through food, he gives us energy or, you know, just the way that we talk about the body, not about how it looks, but about what it was designed to do mm-hmm. and the way that we are using our bodies, the way that God designed mm-hmm. for us to use it and recognizing those things I think yeah. are important. We had a, um, you guys know I followed Danielle Koch. She's the Oh Happy Danny. She's a social media artist and um, justice advocate and does a lot of really cool images and education opportunities. She recently provided a free download to subscribers that was called Changemaker Affirmations. It was at the mm-hmm. start of school and encouraged teachers to post these around your room. And so then people started posting, oh, this is where I put change maker affirmations, you know, on, and let kids take their pictures in front of a mirror. So we downloaded and put them on the mirrors at, in our kids' rooms and bathrooms at home. And it says things like what you're talking about. It's not the, I look this way. It's that I am. I am. But it's things like, I am helpful. Mm-hmm. I am hopeful. I belong. Uh, I have empathy. I have worth. I am valuable. I am love. That's great. And those are... You, you read those statements over and over again, and I hope our kids do, um, just to realize that this is these are really powerful words, and we want kids to be able not only to hear that from us, but to declare that about themselves. What are some other yeah. things that we can do, not just the words, but the experiences or the relationships or the even the things that we need to create, the rhythms that we need to engage that will foster self-worth? Not necessarily change the negative self-image, because maybe it's not even created yet for your kid, praise God. But what are the things that we can do to foster a good, healthy self-worth and image going forward? I think talking about uniqueness yeah. like, mm-hmm. is really important and celebrating the things that we see, even even in sibling groups, in mm-hmm. this sister versus this yeah. sister, the things that make them different and celebrate that, yeah. celebrate the differences. Because we know that competition in sibling yes. groups oh, yeah. <laughs> happens too. And that sibling place, rivalry, that's sibling a thing. Sibling rivalry is yeah. a thing. Um, 
And to say it enough, like you said, it's a rhythm, it's a pattern, to say it enough that they are remembering that throughout their day. You know, I just want to go back to what you said, Kathy, about um, the way that the world speaks to us and talks, tells us mm-hmm. about our self-worth. It's not just like, I'm going to say it's also at school that it's happening a lot to where it's almost cool to say, I look ugly mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. my outfit looks bad today and my mm-hmm. hips are whatever mm-hmm. and my shoulders are like, it's almost cool. To be self-deprecating. So not only, mm-hmm. yes, it's an attention getter. Yes. Yeah. So not only are we starting at, are we not, we're not starting at zero. We're starting at negative when they come home from school, yes. if that right. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not only do we have to make up for that, but then we want to fill their cup even more. And finding the different ways, like I think it's easy to, to for our go-to statements to be, to be, you're so beautiful right. or you, you're whatever, but getting creative with the ways that God has wired them and made yes. them and all those affirmations you talked about. But like one, I have one kiddo that is really empathetic and she like really can tell when somebody's having a bad day mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. sees that in them. How much am I speaking to that? Not just she picked out a cute outfit for Wacky Wednesday, but like Ivy Rose, you, yeah, yeah, you mm-hmm. see people really yeah. well. Yep. And thank you for seeing me today. Like, thank yeah. you for knowing that mommy had a hard day and coming to mm-hmm. talk to me. Like, how, how much are we identifying that in our kids and saying it and telling them and celebrating it? Um, there were a few, like, things that I had on the list for today just about how to celebrate uniqueness, and I love these. So one of them was allow them um, autonomy to choose their own extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. which seems so little, but, like, yeah. mm-hmm. you grew up playing soccer. Well, maybe your kid doesn't want to play soccer. Right, let right. them try. Let oh, them try my, something yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. Let them choose what That's they want to do. Let them dress themselves. Yep. That's a hard one for some of us, but yes. like, <laughs> let them pick their outfit. Remind them their body belongs to them. Mm. This this is important on a lot of levels and mm. something that we talk about in our house. But like, hugs, activities, what they eat, like all of that. Let them express their feelings. Meaning, no matter what's going on give them a safe space to talk about it. Just like you were talking about Kathy. There's autonomy. And that I think is a big foster of self-worth when you know that you can make decisions, when you can handle problems, when you can meet challenges, if somebody's always doing that for you and making you feel like you can't do it, then there's, there's automatically, Mm -hmm. you don't practice using your voice and celebrating your uniqueness. View view mistakes, sorry, as learning and growth opportunities, Mm -hmm. turn the negative Mm -hmm. to a positive. And then model healthy self-esteem, yeah. which we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, um, I'm in student ministry right now or helping out in student ministry right now. And and they, um, it, it's so easy for them to attach themselves to um, to achievement. And I, I, one of the things we always say here at church is that um, we're not interested in graduating nice or good kids. Um, because, uh, and I think a lot of times we got to be careful of this parents because because as throughout their middle school and high school careers you can um, be so in tune with their achievements and mm-hmm. so in tune with the good grades that they they're making or the play that they made on the football play field or the catch that they made on the baseball field or the the great dances and the performances they have and so you're looking like to build their resume that's all what it's all about right now is building True. resume. Instead of saying, we're not interested in graduating nice or good kids, we're interested in graduating kids who are passionate about Jesus. Because if they get passionate about Jesus, it changes who they are, it changes what they become, it changes who, what they do. Um, the goal is to help our kids look more like Jesus, and that attaches itself so much more to character than it does achievement. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's that's so important for us to just, just note here. Um, it's just such a big conversation here. Um, as we change gears just a little bit. I, 
I was reading um, this material by Axis Parenting Resource, mm-hmm. and uh, and this is a great resource if you're it's it's called Axis A X I S. Um, you can look that up. It's a parenting resource um, website that gives you all all sorts of helpful tools as a parent. Um, and it says this it's because sometimes we have to address creating healthy habits for the body. And this is addressing that self-image thing because I think there's a part of it where we have to lean into self-image. And here's what they say. Because we have to do it in a way that our kids also understand they are so beautifully created by God. Um, Jennifer, you talked about this in the last episode. You briefly talked about this. But everyone feels hopeless about their appearance sometimes. Mm -hmm. We look in the mirror and see things that we have no power to change. Things like skin type, no shape, height, build, hair type, skin color, all the things. So while we help our kids unravel the lies about their unchangeable characteristics, it's it may be also helpful to empower them to change what they can. Now, here's where it takes a turn, right? We can help them see that some goals are achievable. They can uh, get in better shape or stronger or have better hygiene, which we want to teach our middle schoolers right now. Uh, Why is that, Chase? Or (laughs) increase their stamina or whatever goal that is. But let's join them as they endeavor to make those changes as well as help them find healthy solutions to weightlifting or finding a sport or mindful eating or being active outside um, are much better than endless diets, chronic cardio, or fitness activities that don't that they don't enjoy. Help them appreciate hard work and what their bodies can accomplish, mm-hmm. and help I think them that's understand healthy, right? an important mm-hmm. why for that. Right? Yeah. What's the reason? Yeah. The why? Is right. it the attention? Is it the mm-hmm. success? Is it the whatever that I want that's to right. get, or the problems that I want to avoid, or is this me being the best version of me and right. being healthy mm-hmm. to pursue? Christ-likeness and to honor God with yeah. the body and the life that I've been Take given. care of the temple, those kind of things. But mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. This conversation really... Y'all want to do a third part to this at some point? <laughs> it is. It really influences everything that we do and everything mm-hmm. that we are as we raise the next generation to know who they are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's so much more to that. There are a million different pathways. Um, if you're listening to this and you're already down a journey of negative self-talk and negative self-worth and even pure victim and take victimization, your kids being bullied and you just don't, whatever you need as a parent to cope with those struggles and whatever you want to help your kid get in terms of counseling resources, mm-hmm. Kathy, really fast. And we can probably type it up in notes or something at Rolling Hills specifically. What's the thing that we offer and what is, what's a pathway where somebody can connect with the resources that are provided in counseling ministry? Absolutely. That would be, um, I mean, we have access to counseling for all of our campuses, for all mm-hmm. of our church attendees um, and and for our staff. And one of the biggest parts of my role is having that initial conversation or sitting down with people and being invited into their journey, into their story, which I'm so grateful for, and then helping them with connecting them to the best resources. And so one of my jobs is what, what resources do we have out there? Mm-hmm. What resources do we have within the church um, that we can help just help people navigate parenting or things that they're dealing with in their own lives. So, so reach out and yes. let us walk with you because mm-hmm. that's part of it. Um, as much as we pray every episode, um, I'd love for us just to pray right now um, for families that might be in crisis, mm-hmm. really specifically. There, there's families and parents are saying, hey, our kids are doing great. They're doing a good job. We need to probably lean in a little further in one direction or another. Um, but even in closing, maybe just kind of to pray 
Chase, I'd love for you to do this. Yeah. Just for families that might be in crisis with this, um, that may be able to turn a corner, that mm. the Holy Spirit would intervene um, and help these moms, dads, and kids. Yeah, love to. Let's pray. Father, we we adore you. We love you. We're humbled by um, by you. And uh, and God, uh, our, our prayer as we navigate through these these topics, talk about self, self-worth, is that we acknowledge first that you're Father, you're God, you've created us uniquely and wonderfully. And as parents are trying to navigate such a enormous issue with uh, maybe their, their, their kiddos are coming home and they're struggling with who they are. They're struggling with how they see themselves. God, um, we ask for wisdom and discernment over parents and how they navigate those conversations and lean in a little bit to say, okay, what is God, God trying to do here? And maybe pause and say, Holy Spirit, will you help me in this conversation? Will you help me um, address my child so that they um, can, can point them back to their self-worth in you, to their identity in you, Jesus? And so, God, uh, we pray that um, for even for that parent who who right now, right now, um, mm. their kids may be in school, and and it wasn't a good night. Mm. It wasn't a good morning. They did not leave well, and um, and it adds to the pressure of the relationship. God, we pray for healing. God, we pray for as they um, as they go throughout their day that your presence will be made known to them. That would be very real to them. Pray for their kiddos right now. Pray that you protect protection of their hearts, their ears, their minds, as they engage with this culture, engage with their friends, engage with their schools and activities. And God, that you remind them that you are near, that you are good, that you've created them on purpose, for a purpose. God, we pray for our parents. We thank you so much, and we're cheering them on. Mm -hmm. Um, God, um, God, be with them today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We all wish that this was a recipe that we could get on a podcast and say, two cups of this, two tablespoons of this, and you are going to raise a happy, well-adjusted, Christ-honoring kid. <laughs> or that this was somehow, say this three times, click your heels together, mm-hmm. and everything's going to be awesome. Um, we're never going to land the plane in this conversation, no. mm-hmm. but we're going to start one. Um, ask questions and start good conversations and point people to what's biblical wisdom to know and follow Jesus through the journey. Your parenting journey is as unique as the kids that you've been entrusted. So we're praying with you and for you and excited that you'll jump back in again next time. Awesome. Way to go, guys. What to Say When is part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe now as we take off on this incredible parenting journey together.